On the Table, Current and Critical Information for Massage Therapists in Practice, a podcast presented by Massage Therapy Canada. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our latest episode of On the Table. Just a reminder that Massage Therapy Canada serves to be the voice of massage therapists across Canada. Our coverage includes research discussions, techniques, business management methods, record-keeping tips, and general health news. Our magazine is available quarterly, as well as our digital edition. You can subscribe to our weekly e-newsletter as well at massagetherapycanada.com slash subscribe. Today, we're doing something a little different on the podcast. Instead of interviewing a guest on a particular subject, uh, my co-host, Don Dillon, and I will draw attention to important and emerging issues in the profession. So our little fireside chat today, and we'll examine ongoing relations with health benefits provider uh, Green Shield Canada. We'll also provide some um, HST updates as well. So once again, my co-host today is Don Dillon. Don is a massage therapist, author of dozens of articles in the field, and practice coach. Welcome back, Don. Janet, it's always a pleasure to be with you. We did chat with Andrew Andrew LeWarren, and he has provided us an update um, in relations with Green Shield Canada. So our first episode of the podcast did touch on um, insurer relations with Green Shield. The RMTAO and uh, CMTA did recently meet with the Green Shield researchers, and here's what Andrew had to say about uh, what happened with that. Yeah, what we're doing, um, I put together... Uh, the gentleman from Green Shields, uh, who is their lead in the pharmacy section, he's their lead researcher, uh, and I put him together with three of the massage therapy researchers from across the country, and they had a, a fairly uh, lengthy and in-depth chat about about research, about the kind of research that Green Shield is looking for, and the kind of research that the uh, massage therapy researchers are interested in, and where there's an intersect so that where it can work together. Um, And we've agreed to get back together. Um, So Ned is going to, Green Shield is going to go off and they're going to take a look at the kind of parameters they're going to put together for uh, for the research. Um, And the uh, massage therapy researchers are going to go off and take a look at the uh, various topics that would be of interest and the various question type formats that would be of interest. Uh, there is some idea about getting patients to be a part of the question creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a talk about being able to have quantitative research as well as uh, perhaps a secondary uh, piece that would be qualitative. So being able to look at all sides of the coin there. So that was, uh, from my perspective, that was, a, uh, that was a very positive phone call. So we're still talking. We haven't got anything set in stone yet, uh, but we're getting closer. I did make sure that when I was at the uh, Canadian Life and Health Insurance Association uh, anti-fraud conference, uh, that at the plenary session I did uh, get up and uh, I did mention that uh, Green Shield was working together with the Canadian Massage Therapist Alliance um, in uh, creating an approach to research that uh, Green Shield may partner with uh, with us in, um, 
uh, to point out that there are you know certain things that we want to be taking a look at. So, for example, we may want to redefine what a disease process is, um, because right now there's a fairly narrow definition, and yet we are looking at, for example, 30% of any given corporation uh, are defined as caregivers. And if you're female between the ages of 34 and 44, you're a double direction, which means you're probably looking after kids and you're looking after aging parents, uh, whether they're yours or your partner's. Um, and so, um, burnout is quite high. And there's been quite an extensive study done on what that costs society, what that costs corporations. And um, so, at the moment, burnout is not really um, looked at in terms of a disease process, but maybe it's time that we started to take a look at that. So as you can see, things are moving forward with insurer relations as far as that discussion with the CMTA and Green Shield goes. So we did want to touch on some more points here because many things have happened since that first meeting with Green Shield, since our first podcast on insurer relations. So Don, just before we get into some of these other points, with insurer relations, can you just touch on why this issue is important for massage therapists? Why should massage therapists across the country care? Well, thanks, Janet, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to speak on this. You know, if, if I have a heart problem or if I have a lung problem or if I have a, a kidney problem, there are uh, provincial health care plans in place to help cover that. But it seems like for musculoskeletal injuries, uh, except for orthopedic surgery, there really isn't any funding. So physiotherapists, chiropractors, massage therapists are all uh, relying either on patients to pay out of pocket or for them to have uh, employee benefit plans. Insurers influence employer decisions regarding the benefit plans uh, they buy for their employees. Ned Poiskich, who is the Green Shield Canada Pharmacy and Health Provider Relations Lead, discusses that costs related to uh, massage therapy and the dearth of evidence in the outcomes are a real issue. He says, and I'm quoting him here, we will present this state of affairs to our clients, the employers, in order to educate and inform them in future decisions they make concerning benefit plans. Jen, and we're also seeing that some insurers are trying to take a proactive approach in terms of weaning out some practitioners by instituting practitioner rating systems where uh, people who use their insurance benefits are being prompted to rate their practitioner from low to high. This will certainly, for the insurance company collecting these stats, illuminate practitioners that are poorly ranked and may thin the available practitioners whose claims will be accepted. Right. Re and recently on social media, I've also seen that RMTs have been questioning, you know, we've, we've you, you and I have been doing a lot of work to draw attention to the issue of insurance relations, and in particular to the Green Shield issue. And I'm noticing some chat on the social media where RMTs are saying, should we really bother with insurance? Uh, should, shouldn't we just let patients pay out of pocket for their care? And, and, and certainly, some of our patients would have the resources to pay the hundreds of dollars that would be required for intensive care for acute injuries. But many workers rely on those benefit plans that supplement the provincial health care plan that, again, doesn't really cover musculoskeletal injuries. So work-related physical injuries and psychological stress coupled with inequity of resources available for these conditions has created a strong reliance for workers on their benefit plans. And I, I know for me personally, 
uh, at this time, probably 50 or 60 percent of my patients utilize their employee benefits to pay for their care. And I suspect, right. while some practitioners may see less than that, some practitioners, maybe most of their practice is reliant on those employee benefits. And we have to consider what would happen if there was a cutback on those benefits. How would massage therapists cope with that that reduction in funding available for the care plan? Okay, so you had talked about if we really needed, if we should, if, if RMT should even bother with insurance, there's people who would most likely see kind of a reduction in, in the number of patients if this would happen, correct? I think so. I think there will also be some downward pressure on fees, too, you know, because the, the um, I, I think the effect of the insurance not being available, and we see some of this discussion on social media where therapists wonder if they should be reducing their fees or offering discounts or, or volume uh, plans where they sell a number of treatments up front. I think without the advent of employee benefit plans, there would be some real downward pressure on our fees, probably closer to what WSIB and auto insurance rates are, which are between $50 and $60 per hour. That's what I suspect. Okay. And do you think part of the reason why some massage therapists are kind of like, let's not even bother with insurance is because the claims process seems to be quite difficult for some um, RMTs? I think there's a lot of frustration in uh, in processing claims. I see online therapists are complaining about uh, not getting paid or their claims being denied. I think WSIB and auto insurance are particular problem issues in terms of getting claims approved. And as well, of course, there's the lead time in terms of waiting for the claim to be processed. You also don't know, uh, I mean, GreenShield provides a number of products where different people can have different coverages. So you're having to find out what their coverage is in advance so you know if you have to build them a co-payment. So it certainly creates some tension in the system in terms of working with insurance, but again, it also provides the benefit that it probably gives people access to care that wouldn't otherwise have access or would certainly have reduced access. So, and I know Green Shield Canada in their Elephant in the Waiting Room article that was originally posted in the fall of uh, last year of 2018, they did bring up the uh, Smart Spend uh, initiative. Oh, sorry, that was for the October 2018 press release entitled, We Spend More on Massage Than Mental Health Services, Time for a Change. Yes. So uh, Aaron Crump, GSC's leader of strategic innovation, shares that uh, for every dollar spent on a visit to the psychologist, $4 are spent on massage therapy claims. So they moved to a spending account model called SmartSpend, which it would exclude massage therapy services from this product. So um, that's kind of what we're touching on here is there's kind of a move to maybe adjust what's, what's included in benefits for um, employees and for employers. Um, is this an issue? I mean, massage therapy is so utilized. Wouldn't massage therapy be kind of one of the first things that you would expect employers to want in their employee benefits? I mean, I know I would personally. Yes, I, I think there's probably a lot of pressure by employers to include massage therapy. It's very popular. In, in fact, uh, as we've seen with some of the other pieces we've done, it's the, the insurers are admitting it's one of the most popular benefits that... Uh, people are utilizing. I think the challenge comes when when companies like Green Shield are looking to 
consider their costs because they have to look at not just massage therapy, of course, but the rising cost of pharmaceuticals and other claims like chiropractic and physiotherapy and other services, that if they start offering some products like the Smart Spend that are, are very streamlined products, you get a certain suite of services, the, uh, and the price point would match those suite of services, but it wouldn't include massage therapy. But they may have massage therapy in their other products, but those products would be much higher to purchase for the employer. So I think the concern I have is if we're putting employers in the position of, oh, yes, you can get employee benefit plans for your employees, you can get the smart spend plan, which includes this, this, and this. But if you wanted massage therapy and uh, chiropractic and some of these, and maybe dental and other services, then you need to look at our premium service, which costs this. And my concern is will employers start to compare the, the, the two plans and say, well, you know, I'd really like to give them the, the, the premium plan, but I can only afford the basic plan. And so just by attrition, it starts to uh, weed out or it starts to remove for the, from the employers the opportunity to offer massage therapy. And so now that cost then goes directly to the, the employees to finance. Mm-hmm. And so they're kind of, it's funny because they're kind of saying, you know, massage is premium, um, but like really what what we're saying is that massage therapy should be almost a basic need to everyone, um, included for everyone. Because I think you're right. I think if, if massage therapy isn't included in the in these benefit plans, I, I do think it might be a little, um, I don't think people will utilize it as much because of that, that extra cost. As you mentioned, I mean, there are people that can afford that, but of course there are a lot of people that can afford, you know, their, their monthly massage or their monthly, you know, rehabilitation or relief that uh, massage therapy gets them. Yeah. I mean, the monthly, the monthly appointments are one thing that probably most people can manage. My concern is people usually come in with acute situations where they may need three or four or five treatments over this, the course of two weeks. And that could be three to $500 or, or more for people in terms of that intensive care. So that's a lot of money for people who live month to month. You know, that's a lot of money up front. And I'm, I'm concerned about that. And, you know, we've just to sympathize with the insurers a bit here, we have to remember that insurers take in premiums that are paid to them by by the uh, by the employers and maybe by the partially by the employees as well and then the insurance company has to pay all of their operating expenses they have to pay out premiums they have to ensure a profit margin for growth and development of the company so there's always a bit of a conflict there in that they have to take in a certain amount of money in cover all those costs and then they have to pay out in claims so if claims go up insurance companies have less money to deal with their operating expenses or to shore aside uh, profit margin, which every company needs to make, of course, in order mm-hmm. to plan for uh, growth. And we, we saw Green Shield in the, in, the, in the Elephant in the Waiting Room blog post in November 2018. We saw how Green Shield was starting to place doubt in the minds of people. They had presented this, this argument that pharmaceutical costs are rising and that hard choices would have to be made. And then they positioned a moral argument to people, would you be willing to forego your massage therapy services? And they were picking on massage therapy, it seems, particularly here. Would you forego massage therapy services so Becky's daughter, which was a relatable character in their, in their blog, 
who had a rare disease, or Roberto, who had chronic arthritis, or Vivian, who had Crohn's disease, would you be willing to forego your massage services so that Green Shield can afford to pay these escalating pharmaceutical costs to help with these very serious conditions? And I think a lot of massage therapists took issue with that, that, that they were saying um, massage therapy was less important or not as valid as some of these certainly very serious uh, conditions and that people would be forced to have to make a, a decision between using massage benefits or helping the, the, the insurance company to shore up and pay for these, these expensive pharmaceutical costs. Mm -hmm. Massage therapy being the the punching bag there, but I would say that, you know, they could have, they could have done that same thing with that same article with chiropractic and compared it to that. Unfortunately, massage therapy was the one used. And well, I and it's supposed to be the one that's, that they're spending the most money on is what they say. As, as you right. quoted, for every, every dollar for a visit yep. to a psychologist, $4 are being spent on a massage. So they see massage therapy as, they, they see the cost rising. They're questioning whether it's providing short-term pain relief. Um, as opposed to long-term benefits. They're questioning whether there are other less expensive alternatives like yoga or walking or pejoratively in their blog post, they said taking a nap. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, here's where massage therapies, the, the massage therapy field then has to come back with comparative studies and show how is massage therapy providing long-term benefits and how does it compare against uh, uh, lower cost alternatives like yoga or, or walking, for example. Mm -hmm. And of course, to do those studies and to do that research, we especially those long-term to prove those long-term benefits of massage therapy care. That's that research is very involved, and you know it might take us quite a long time to get that research and to get the results of that research. But I think it yeah. would definitely be time well spent. Yes, time and money well spent. But yeah, I think that's again, um, like Andrew had mentioned in the audio clip earlier, working with these insurers and working to kind of get on the same level and, and understand how we can work together because ultimately the insurance companies want their packages to serve the, to serve the employers and in turn their employees and uh, massage therapists in the profession. I mean, we, we also want to prove our worth as well. You know, I, I think that Green Shield. I mean, I, we, we've been we've been pretty critical of Green Shield and in some of this coverage, uh, and for some of it, rightly so. But Green Shield really is in a position they're making up uh, for that public health funding that hasn't been allocated to musculoskeletal injuries. The insurance industry is having to make up for that, and I think it's perfectly valid that the insurance companies are asking questions about well, how do you know massage therapy works? And does it provide more than short-term pain relief? And is it the best choice amongst other alternatives available in terms of delivering uh, the most efficacious outcome? So I think, I think this is actually a very positive exchange. The insurers are pushing back and saying, hey, you know, show us that massage therapy really is worthwhile. And we're having to, in the, in the massage therapy field, having to self-examine and say, well, you know, we really have to look at our rationale and our decision-making process and how we're um, allocating, are, are we being responsible and accountable for the dollars that are being made uh, available? And um, you know, Ned Poiskic, again, uh, from Green Shield, he talked about a pilot project with pharmacists 
where they're looking at pay-for-performance reimbursement. So the insurance company is planning on keeping more statistics on the practitioners that are, that are submitting claims to see if they are, in fact, demonstrating better health outcomes for patients. And I think what we'll see happening is insurers will demand more evidence for interventions, and they'll also want um, to show efficacy that these, these interventions, in fact, are helpful and working, or they're going to stop paying for them. So this is a this is a point for the massage therapy field to really examine, are, are we really providing value in public health? If so, how can we demonstrate that better? Yeah, I would agree with you that um, I think initially, you know, this pushback just, I mean, we get this visceral kind of negative reaction towards it. Um, I do agree that it is positive, you know, get the, get the research, prove your worth. And you know what, maybe research comes out that proves you know, yo- yoga is better than massage therapy for X, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, sometimes maybe massage therapists will have to learn to accept it that some things aren't as research-backed as massage therapy for certain issues. Again, I that can only be proved in the future with research um, and comparative studies as well. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you, you put me onto uh, a link recently, I thought that was, was important to mention, from Benefits Canada, where you, uh, you had mentioned about uh, Kenneth McDonald and his article, Time for More Hands-On Management of Massage Therapy Benefits. Did you want to maybe share with our audience a bit about what McDonald said and, and how, we have to, how massage therapists have to consider that going forward? Yes. So I just have to point out that I love that pun in the in the headline, hands-on management of massage therapy benefits. Journalists <laughs> like me just just love that. Sure. Um, so yeah. So um, this was posted uh, in mid-May. So he mentions in this Benefits Canada article. Um, He implicates massage therapy as a perk employers are paying for, with practitioners applying lucrative business models to tap generous benefit plans. So he proposes a few things here. One, a cost sharing with employees, which increases cognition and accountability of spending. He says he proposes limiting coverage to employees, only family excluded educating employees on employers' costs of providing benefits, so change use behavior, and also consider uh, lower-cost alternatives to massage therapy, so such as yoga, breathing techniques, and other relaxation methods. In a related Benefits Canada article as well, um, entitled, What are the Goals of Massage Therapy as an Employee Benefit? Uh, The author here, General Manager, who is the General Manager at Beneplan Cooperative, asserts many paramedical clinics are being, and I quote, are being run by hybrid craftspeople slash business people. They admonish the employers are exploited when clinics focus primarily on profit maximization. And what was your reaction to that Benefits Canada article there, Don? Well, I, I, well, of course, my massage, wearing my massage therapist hat immediately, I was annoyed. And I, and I think a lot of massage therapists, unfortunately, there's been this, this real friction that's developed and we've got this this patent response, a visceral response now, as you mentioned, to these kind of points. But if we, once I look past that initial reaction, you know, I, I think that McDonald has some real points here. Again, it's, it's asking providers 
to be more accountable in terms of how these dollars are being spent. Uh, they're asking employees to cost share, which I, you know, years ago, the before 2004, chiropractors were covered under OHIP, uh, and it was yeah. and it was a co-payment model where uh, the the person paid some, and OHIP paid some up to a certain level. And I think that really that model helps to ensure more accountability on both the practitioner, because the practitioners wants to get that person. Uh, gets better wants to get better outcomes in that time period they have to work with available dollars and the employee or or the the person paying the service they're paying out of pocket every time so they want to get better faster so i really like that model i think mcdonald's got a i think massage therapists can agree that's a really good point if people are having to pay something out of pocket it certainly helps to expedite recovery uh, and, and some of the other points about uh, educating employers on costs really making practitioners and insurers work together to help people because we've all heard the exploitive stories of people going to clinics and they're just puppy mills. They just they go for six months and their coverage is run down. And uh, and and no no um, ethical practitioner likes to hear those kind of stories. So I think we'd all like to see more control over exploitation. Uh, so so I, I think he's got another excellent point. And I, and I think we do, uh, back to comparative studies, I think we do need to see, is massage therapy the best intervention for some of these conditions compared to some maybe other more autonomous, uh, lower cost uh, techniques uh, like yoga and relaxation as well. So I think, again, I really feel that what's happening right now, as much as it creates friction and tension between the insurance industry and uh, healthcare providers like massage therapists and chiropractors and physiotherapists. I think it's a, I think it's a great launch point for a discussion, and it and it'll help us to make uh, healthcare costs, which again employers, employers play a big role, or sorry, insurers play a big role in musculoskeletal complaints in terms of funding available because it's not covered under the under the public health insurance. Uh, we need to work with uh, with insurers to try and deliver the best, most efficacious care. And I think we're accountable to that. So so initially I felt, you know, annoyed, but ultimately I think I think the insurers have some good points and I think we need to work with them on it. Mm-hmm. And I do just have to mention too, at the end of that um, Benefits Canada article, McDonald's ends with, uh, while many employees use massage therapy for a genuine need, if too many people are taking advantage of it, plan sponsors may need to reduce or eliminate coverage, which could result in a financial hardship for those who actually need it. So this point of taking advantage of it, so to me, if they're taking advantage of massage therapy, that means they're submitting, sorry, um, not massage therapists themselves, but the employees are submitting illegitimate claims. Is that what you gathered from that as well? I mean, I just wasn't sure what he meant, taking advantage of massage therapy. So, Janet, Janet, I'm really glad you asked that question. I've been thinking a lot about this question in terms of whether people that receive employee benefits are the best regulators of those benefits. I think there's a uh, there's this idea within the massage therapy field and in other fields where rehabilitation plays a major role that the only the only valid bona fide claim is one for something that has a biophysical uh, problem. So in other words, it's a range of motion issue or muscle length or strength issue. That the that the other aspects of of care of massage that we know a, a heightened sense 
of uh, self-awareness, a reduction in anxiety. Um, and there's some research studies that show some reduction in, in uh, depression and improvement in mood and sleep quality. So these other, what would be known, what would be called the psychosocial aspects of the biopsychosocial model, these are all things that are part of uh, a massage therapy care. And em employees have been left to regulate themselves because they see employee benefits as part of their salary. They, they feel that it's something that they deserve, that, that the employer has offered to them. So they I know, I do. Yeah, so they want to take advantage of those benefits. But I think also something that we don't have enough data on is the real costs of job-related stress, of workplace-related injuries, and the fact that you can't go to an OHIP clinic and get treatment for musculoskeletal injuries, you have to go through a private insurer or you have to pay out of pocket. So I'm of the mind that while certainly some waste and some exploitation occurs, I think largely employees are really good self-regulators. They know when they need care and they want to be able to access that care because they're facing job-related stress. Maybe they're facing um, uh, an injury at work that's related to the type of work they do. So I'm, I'm of the mind that I think uh, mostly people are really good at self-regulating when they need care. And as you mentioned earlier in our program, they really push back if employers look at withdrawing that care because they know they need that care to help them in their day-to-day -day function as well as functioning at work. I guess part of what we need to work on with insurers is to help people determine and self-regulate better in terms of when and how they access care. So for example, the idea where practitioners or employees say, oh, well, it's the end of the year, I better use up all my benefits I haven't been using. That's not really an effective approach to preventing uh, these health issues from coming about from work-related problems. It's something you want to use throughout the year. So I think insurers and practitioners could work together to help educate employees better on, on how to use benefits and how to self-regulate so that they get the most efficacious outcome, the, the, the most benefit out of the benefits that they receive. Yes, I think that makes sense. And I think the the... the um... I mean, healthcare in Canada is changing. I know that um, out in Atlantic Canada, you know, the, the doctor's group survey suggests that they're worrying, growing, overpaying uh, baby boomers' health bills. Um, I have a, a quote here from the president of the Canadian Medical Association said that, uh, you know, the doctor's group's advocating for new federal investments in seniors' care is a big hot topic, the aging population. Um, and I think things are starting to happen with MSK issues. And I mean, who knows what happens in the next few years? Perhaps that that landscape will generally change, especially with regards to um, chronic pain. So I think, yes, being in these discussions with insurers and, I mean, being open and honest and sharing stories of how massage therapy helps the many patients that you see every day can really go a long way in, in moving moving things forward in this regard. Yes, massage therapists really, our, our stakeholders in the field really have to work hard to position ourselves in areas of public health where we can do the most good. And I think um, palliative care, home care are certainly opportunities. There are 
marginalized populations like um, victims of domestic violence or people with chronic illnesses or um, uh, people of indigenous cultures as well, people survivors of trauma. I think there's all sorts of ways that massage therapists can be repositioned as providing benefit in the general public health. Uh, but again, we, we really need to focus on the research and what type of research is done and, and bringing in uh, strategic partners to help fund that kind of research. For sure. And I will mention too that, I mean, I know we always bring up the insurance and benefits industry um, kind of picking on massage therapy. But I mean, just a, a week before that Benefits Canada um, uh, McDonald's uh, article, just a few days prior to that, I mean, they're questioning, are claims trends for antidepressants sustainable? So they are questioning even the pharmaceuticals um, that perhaps may or may not be covered in the future too. Yes. So recently, uh, GSC Greenfield Canada um, had posted a podcast of their own, and this was in April, um, entitled Chiropractic in Canada, A Tale of Self-Regulation. So there are a few points made within that podcast to extrapolate for the massage therapy profession here. So the Globe and Mail contributors, Wayne McPhail and Paul Benedetti, state there is insufficient oversight by... Uh, the Health Professions Regulatory Advisory Council, HPREC, regarding scope of practice. Practitioners can create proprietary methods, which are not necessarily evidence-informed, and get a, quote, free ride by falling within scope. Practitioners equate self-regulation to credibility. I would also say that along with the self-regulation, um, it's considered a privilege of setting standards. So being accountable for one's actions and uh, to conduct in medical practice and for the conduct of one's colleagues as well. That's from a core attributes of professionalism from um, some people in the med medical community there. Practitioners equate uh, self-regulation to credibility and expect insurers to, play claim, to pay claims for their services despite the paucity of evidence that may exist. Practitioners claim any evidence, even a single study, demonstrates proof of efficacy and insurers shouldn't object when asked to pay for the intervention. So the GSC representatives contrasted this to pharmaceutical companies who must provide extensive information regarding drug benefits and risks before insurance reimbursement is considered. And I, I think that's a really important uh, point, Jan, and there's this sense that just because we're self-regulated that the insurers should just pay no questions asked for our care. So I, I think they raise a, a very important um, very important point there. I'm going to talk about, uh, I want to bring back Ned Poiskich. We've mentioned him already in the podcast. He's the GSC Pharmacy and Health Provider Strategy Director. And he asserts that the insurance reimbursement model contributes to a profit-focused health service industry. And practitioners or commercial businesses have created models to actually exploit it. And he states, and I'm, I'm quoting here, if insurance pays for something, there will be a business model around it. We need to reform our insurance reimbursement processes so we only pay for evidence-based methods. Poiskic uh, condemns health professions that can't provide data on adverse events. And you'll remember we we had uh, Danelle DeGowan on to talk about adverse events in our last show, 
and 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 the lack of recording of adverse events. And so Poiskich makes the point here that adv adverse reports are not very well done. He's also critical of the broad sweeping blanket that is the scope of practice. And he believes regulatory bodies must go beyond simply defining scope and actually link scope to evidence-supported outcomes. He says, quote, assigning specific conditions to scope of practice, that could be the next layer, unquote. Poiskich maintains insurers then can determine what interventions show promise and demonstrate efficacy in addressing health conditions insurers regularly pay claims for. So in other words, insurers want to know if they're going to have to pay a claim for something, they want some evidence that it actually uh, shows promise, that it's actually efficacious, that it's actually working and benefits a majority of the population. And so if you can just fill us in here, Don, on the bottom line, what do massage therapists need to know about um, this extrapolation here? Well, thanks, Jen. And I, you know, I, I think this is, um, we, you and I have done a lot of work in the last little while to draw attention to this issue of insurer relations. And although I've seen some social media discussion generated, I think it's a more urgent issue and a, and a very important issue that we should all be paying more attention to. Insurers are going to continue to play a gatekeeper role in healthcare funding, uh, given that musculoskeletal complaints, again, are the, the realm of physiotherapists, chiropractors, and massage therapists, and other practitioners, are not funded by provincial health plans. So insurer relations are really important to these professions, and insurers are pushing back, they're flexing their muscles, and they're calling for change right now. So I think without some uh, some urgency, in addressing the concerns of insurers, I predict, just like Green Shield announced dropping the massage from its smart spend uh, plan, that we're going to see a progressive removal of massage therapy from many insurance products. Insurers will continue to campaign both employers and employees to critically consider their massage therapy utilizing, trying to, to, trying to impact massage therapy utilization at the source. And that for plans that do provide paramedical coverage, Insurers are going to institute more oversight, and they're only going to fund those interventions that are deemed evidence-backed, and only in cases where a less expensive option promising the same outcome is not available. I think that employees will, will uh, be asked to share the cost via co-payments, and will likely see coverage paired for their family members. And again, this is all speculation, but this is based on the work you and I have been doing recently. I think this is where the insurance industry is going. So I think stakeholders in the massage therapy profession, and that includes the professional associations, the regulators, the teaching institutions, the practitioners themselves, and um, and uh, editors of uh, pub field publications like yourself, we should all clarify the benefits of care as distinct from physiotherapy, chiropractic, and other disciplines or practices that are espousing remedies for the things that massage therapists treat every day, stress, strain, and pain. And massage therapy should lean in and position hard in the biopsychosocial model and uh, link benefits of uh, receiving massage therapy to mental health, sleep quality, and helping to return injured workers to work. So I think our profession should look for strategic alliances and pool resources to, camp away, to campaign away from the image, uh, the public and media image of our profession as being profit-focused and insurance-exploiting practitioners, and reposition ourselves to being contributors in public health 
and economic vitality, and certainly building better relations with the insurance industry. Of course. I definitely agree. Um, and I mean, as we, and I think that's also why um, as, Although we are a massage therapy magazine, we often share um, just general health news as well, uh, things on sleep quality and the impact of touch on things like mental health and and working in places like the hospital. So I think, you know, sometimes with, I find with these manual uh, therapy research, it takes a bit of time to have the research and to prove, to prove the worth through evidence-based, evidence-based models. There are a lot of practitioners that I'm sure would say, you know, that the evidence hasn't caught up to what we know yet, but it's up to massage therapists across the nation to kind of make those first steps there. Yeah, yeah. So lastly, um, I just want to, uh, again, go back to um, Andrew Lorne. We do have some HST updates for Canadian RMTs as well. With uh, with. Uh, the RMT ACP site up um, that we're going to be sending out, um, uh, you know, another notice and, and trying to get the RMTs that have already signed up to get other RMTs to sign up and to share. Um, and then uh, from there, we want to start taking a look at the different components of the argument. And before we take anything to a finance minister, we need a finance minister. And there's an election coming up in October. So we don't know who the finance minister is going to be, and we don't know who the government is going to be. So we have some work to do before that happens, but that is obviously a key development that we need to take a look at. So there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that are going to be uh, rolling out over the next two to three months, and we need everybody on board. So if they wouldn't mind, if they would please join and share everything, including their story, and share it all on their various social media platforms, uh, that would be very helpful. Well, the biggest negative contributing factor would be RMTs not participating. Um, this is not a time when RMTs can afford to say, well, it's not my worry, somebody else will do it for me. Uh, that's not going to happen this time. If you're not part of it, uh, then you are actively being a negative factor. Honestly, it's just that simple. We need to be able to turn around to the powers that be in the federal government and say that massage therapy is a piece of the health care puzzle that's highly valued. And because of that, people want to make the most use of it that they can, and the HST gets in the way of them doing that. We would like to point out that the biggest negative contributing factor to this campaign are the RMTs that are not contributing. So Andrew did say, and I quote, this is not a time when RMTs can afford to say, well, it's not my worry, someone else will do it for me. That's not going to happen this time, he says. If you are not a part of it, then you are actively being a negative factor. It's that simple. So we do want to include other RMTs in this fight. We also want to include patients and other stakeholders as well. So we do want to ask everyone to not forget to share your stories. So why and how massage therapy has been a benefit to your patients and to actively share experiences around that. So what is it that your patients have experienced and how have they experienced it through massage therapy to provide them with a better quality of life, whether that be relief or um, rehabilitation. 
So it's very important to share that massage therapy is uh, part of this healthcare puzzle that is highly valued. Thank you so much, Don, for once again uh, contributing as a co-host to On the Table. Janet, it's always great to be with you, and I'm really glad we got to talk about this subject in particular today. So thank you. On the Table, current and critical information for massage therapists in practice, a podcast presented by Massage Therapy Canada. Music